You've read or heard or preached the scripture this week. Now what? Join me, Pastor Carissa, and my colleague, Pastor Alan, as we explore the spaces between the Sundays in our podcast, Soft Idolatry. Welcome to Soft Idolatry, Season 6, Episode 2. Carissa, how's it going? It's going pretty well over here. How about you? Uh, no complaints. The uh, The weather is appreciably better today. More tolerable, not oppressively hot and humid. Uh, just warm and humid. So, That's yeah, good. it's an improvement. I'll take it. Yeah. It's uh, pretty warm and, and humid here, too, but it's not storming. Mm-hmm. I went and I have a, a crazy friend. Well, I have a few crazy friends, mm-hmm. um, but one of them in particular runs ultra marathons and has been trying for years to convince me I should run one as well. And uh, Jenny, if you're listening, it's not going to happen. Um, but I paced her for a part of a 100 miler this past weekend for an eight and a half mile piece of it. And literally the moment that I saw her and the pacer before me come down the trail to hand her off to me, the heavens let loose <clears throat> and it, it thunderstormed the entire three hours I was with her. Um, just thunder and lightning and mud everywhere. And we're like going past creepy cornfields and cemeteries in the middle of the night. It's like one in the morning. Um, so the weather was terrible, but it was a blast. Five stars. Highly recommend. I would do it again in a heartbeat, but just like a piece of it and I'm not doing the whole hundred miles not ever you you had to be a genetic freak to be able to do that yes I'm I yeah I'm not the kind of yeah I don't have that bizarre gene that allows you to do that kind of thing without getting hurt so yeah no that's yeah anyway that was my weekend but it was a ton of fun okay okay so um so our idol today uh, that we are talking about is comfort, which could go a lot of different directions. But um, we started talking a little bit last week about lifting up voices and listening to uncomfortable stories. And I think we want to dig into that a little bit more this week. Uncomfortable stories. You mean like from the Bible? Yeah, for starters. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, so like David and Bathsheba. Yeah. I feel like you've been thinking about that one a little bit lately. Maybe, maybe a little bit. That was a leading, <laughs> a leading <laughs> question. Yeah. I, I preached on David and Bathsheba and uh, it, it was, you know, even, even having written the sermon, it was uncomfortable to get up there and name the I mean, David has a long list of transgressions in that oh story. Um, yeah. and, and, and they start with transgressions and they move into outright crimes, you know, outright criminal action, uh, rape and murder. And uh, telling that to a congregation who has probably never heard it described that way before Um that's uncomfortable. Talking about rape from the pulpit is uncomfortable. And it's one of those things that, you know, as, as a pastor, no matter what the, the topic is, that we are 
having a conversation about, whether in a sermon or just with a member, we always have to consider just how much our members can hear. Um, even if I am passionate about social justice, if I start getting into, uh, boy, the discussions of American history and the Magnolia myth and all sorts of things that uh, are part of the discussion in seminaries and in universities, particularly at the graduate level, uh, I'm going to lose a lot of people. They're just not equipped for the conversation. To say nothing of what their politics are, they just, they're not equipped for the conversation. There's only so much they can hear. And then when you start to, when you introduce a topic like rape, uh, it's really, really uncomfortable. Um, it's uncomfortable to preach the sermon. It can be uncomfortable to hear the sermon. Uh, but, you know, it's part of the story, too. And uh, I think we we do our congregations a disservice when we only give them part of the story. I, I wholeheartedly agree. And a lot of these these narratives from scripture have been um, whitewashed, both literally and figuratively, um, in a lot of church history recently. You know, I when it was only, gosh, probably not even until seminary, where I actually ever heard anybody say, we need to look at the cultural... Uh, surroundings of this this story about what is happening here um, you know Bathsheba was not showing off she was not being an exhibitionist she had like no say so in this situation like if the king comes up to you and says my room tonight you you can't say no and so you know that was that was a striking realization for me of how uh, how we try to gloss over a lot of these uncomfortable stories in scripture. And I think it's because they're stories we're uncomfortable with in real life, too. You know, we can we can read the part about David having um, the husband murdered, right? Mm -hmm. He puts him out on the, the front of the war so he knows he's going to get killed. And uh, it's so that is so far removed from our lives today that we can say oh yeah that was that was bad but we can kind of separate ourselves from it but when we think about this idea of a woman being pressured or coerced into um sex i mean this is a, an assault right mm -hmm. this is a, a rape as you said um that hits a little too close to home for some of us because it's something we know still happens yes some some of us have not me but have the experience of serving in the armed forces and serving in combat, almost none of us have the experience of being a king and sending somebody off to, uh, to, to go and die in a battle knowing that that's possible. You're right. That, that, is, that is outside of the experience of almost anybody who might be in our pews. Uh, but every man has at least 
most men have at least the physical power to assault a woman. And we all know people, though we might not have heard the story, we all know people who have uh, exhibited questionable uh, guys who have put themselves in situations that are questionable. And uh, we don't sit down and have those conversations like, so you think you ever went too far and, uh, you know, didn't get consent. I, I can tell you, I have never had that conversation with another man. Um, not really sure I want to have that conversation. Um, I'm pretty sure that if I started it out that way, I would not get an honest response from somebody else. No, that is, that is not a uh, opening question there. No. Uh, but you know, we are certainly physically in that position uh, that, that most of us, I, 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 will, I will not suggest that most of us want to do something horrible, but the, the physical power differential is there. And um, we all like to think of ourselves as good, decent guys who would never do something awful. But that doesn't mean that we always uh, uh, avoid doing something awful or call out people who do things that are awful. Well, and I think that that is um, that's exactly why we struggle so much with this particular story as well. There's other narratives in scripture that we soften. This one gets, um, you know, kind of covered over the most. And I think it's because we like to hold up David as this great example shining example of how to be a man of god right and right. here he is committing rape uh -huh. and so it's this you know this prime example in the trauma and abuse class that i teach one of the first lessons it might be the first lesson if if it's not it's the second one we talk about power differentials and mm. how those who are physically smaller are at greater risk for abuse those who are physically less strong those who have less social capital right and Bathsheba falls into all of these mm -hmm. categories she's a woman so she's essentially property at that time she's physically smaller than him he's the king she's not uh, so there's all of this this power here that even someone who's held up as this great man of God that power differential puts him you know, in a position where he is, you know, able to commit such a heinous crime. Right. And not only is he able to commit such a heinous crime, he is able to cover up his heinous crimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It kind of smacks of like this, the news stories of, you know, like the, um, the varsity swimmer or yeah. you know, the, the football player in college who gets accused of something and, you know, it all gets covered up. Yeah, there, there is there is always this desire to cover up the uncomfortable parts. Even the subheading in the NRSV says David commits adultery with Bathsheba. And there we go. Like that sounds like she is an equal party in what happens, mm -hmm. <laughs> and she's not. No, yeah. no, or 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 at least it sounds like she is a consenting party. And, yes, yeah. um, there is nothing in the text that indicates consent. 
Correct. Yeah. Well, and even, you know, later on, um, Nathan comes to David and tells the story of the farmer and the sheep and um, that the sheep does not willingly follow. Right. No, no. It's it's taken. It is taken. Right. And and that's that's the same verb that uh, Samuel uses when the people ask for a king before Saul is made king. The the king will take your sons. The king will take your daughters. Take, take, take. And, you know, in in the the king you will take your sons, the 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 implication is that the sons may die in battle. And when he says the kings will take your daughters, it, it's very directly an implication of rape. The king will take your daughter. Yeah. And this is like, this is hard stuff. And it's hard to preach too, because you want to be honest to the text. You also don't want to trigger people because Mm -hmm. statistically speaking, you absolutely do have uh, victims of sexual assault, both male and female, young and old in your congregation. Mm -hmm. You absolutely do. If you've got more than three or four people in that congregation, you statistically speaking, have at least one survivor. Yeah. At least. Um, and it, that is a grossly underreported crime. So, mm-hmm. um, so we do need to be careful how we tell these stories, but we also need to be honest about them because without that honesty about the the story, we miss the power of the gospel. We miss the power mm-hmm. of scripture. We miss the power of the fact that God can take someone as shady as David and still work through oh. him. Of course, when God took David, uh, when God anointed David, he was blameless. David had not become shady when, you know, David was righteous when God called him. Mm -hmm. It was only after he had succeeded in that calling that he starts to believe his own press and um, uh, stays home when the troops are out in battle. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at that power dynamic, right? When he's anointed, Mm -hmm. he is the youngest son. He's the smallest son. And he's stuck out keeping an eye on the sheep. Yeah. Uh, But as he gains more power, he he begins to take it in inappropriate ways. And I think that that is, maybe that gets to the heart of why some of these stories are uncomfortable. I mean, like, rape is not a comfortable topic to talk about, right? Murder is not comfortable to talk about, but... The, the, when we really investigate ourselves, this idea of having to give up power in order mm-hmm. to stay righteous mm-hmm. or not take power in order to stay righteous, to share our power with others, that's, I don't like to share my power with others. I'm just going to be really real with you right now, Alan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Was, was, this is why you were never an associate pastor. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> I would have been the world's worst associate pastor because I don't like to share my power. No, that's um, that's most only mostly true. Um, <laughs> well, it, I mean, if you think about it, David starts in in the in the narrative arc. David starts to drift when he gets comfortable. Yeah. When when God had given Israel rest from all its enemies. 
that's when David says, hey, God, I want to build you a house. Yes. God says, you want to build me a house? No, I build you a house. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, why, is that God, why is that how God sounds? Because uh, I'm in Jersey now, and, and everything sounds like a mob movie here in Jersey. I, I feel like that might be an exaggeration, but okay. So all that to say... Um, yeah, I I feel and we'll we're going next week we're going to talk a little bit more about power and privilege in our listening and how to kind of balance that a little better. Um but it, you know, when we when we look at stuff like that, the reason it's important to listen to uncomfortable stories is because Jesus tells us time and time again that he came to shake up the power, the unhealthy, dangerous, painful power dynamics of the world. And so we need to pay attention to those stories of when power goes wrong. Well, and the, the other thing that Jesus says time and time again is follow me. Mm-hmm. And Jesus goes right into the breach. And if we are going to follow him, we need to be equipped to follow him. And to be equipped to follow him, we need to hear all of the scriptures, including the uncomfortable ones. Now, I, I don't want to go up and, and preach another sermon uh, on the rape of Tamar. Uh, yeah, Oof, that's a rough one, too. Yeah, the, the, I'm, I'm not sure where I find the grace in that story. Uh, and so I don't know that's where I... <laughs> but I'm going to add that into the, uh, say, oh, gee, the lectionary left this out. Nah, I'm going to preach on that. Um, prob- probably not. Uh, but, but, but it's certainly somewhere that I could go in a Bible study. Um, you know, because the Old Testament is, is not just the 23rd Psalm and the first chapter of Genesis. Um, what? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, you know, there, there's, yes, there is a lot of stuff there that sounds really over-the-top judgmental. You know, I will punish the sons for the, the sins of the fathers, uh, even to the third and fourth generation. It sounds awful. I want to stop listening. But that's actually when you've got to dig a little deeper, when you have to embrace the text and start to understand the context, um, understand what's going on and how that sets up the uh, continued self-revelation of God in Jesus in the New Testament. Yeah, and I would go a step farther too and... um... And say that listening to even the uncomfortable parts of scripture helps to prime us to listen to the uncomfortable stories in the world around us. So when we listen to the stories of the marginalized and oppressed in scripture, which are the ones that we largely gloss over and make nice, we niceify them, right? Um, that helps us better to listen to the voices of the oppressed and the marginalized in the world around us today, which is a really important thing for us to do. I mean, that's what 
you know, the bulk of our calling is in Matthew 25 uh, as around verse the 40s ish. Um, 31 to 45, more or less. Uh, Well done. I have never been good at chapter and verse recall like that at all. The fact that I know it's in Matthew 25 is like a huge step for me. But, uh, you know, Jesus is um, at the last judgment, you know, separating out the people who did right and the people who missed the mark. And um, only there were a metaphor for that. Right. That would be great. The sheep and the goats, perhaps. Uh, Yeah. So um, and, and someone says, well, you know, when did we see you sick and didn't visit in prison and didn't visit, you know, all these different things. But the the um, the calling for the people in this passage is just being with those who have less power and have less capital. Right. The hungry, the poor, the sick, the prisoner and just being with them. There is you know, you're not necessarily saving someone's life by handing them a loaf of bread, but what you are saying is that they matter and you hear them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so I think really the, the faithful response when you hear a story, whether it's from scripture or from another member of the church or from someone that you are seeking to serve in some way, when you hear an uncomfortable story, uh, you have to embrace that uncomfortable story. First, you figure out what it is that makes you uncomfortable. Yes. Then you have to go and search out more stories like that. Uh, They will not always present themselves to you, in part because you've probably spent many years avoiding uncomfortable stories, sometimes consciously, sometimes not. Uh, but we all get good at avoiding the things that are uncomfortable, uh, avoiding making eye contact with the homeless person who wants money, uh, that kind of thing. Um, not that I might be a master of that tactic, but, uh, you know, figure out what bothers you, search it out, learn. Do your homework and then finally work to create some space where you can hear those stories. You know, people will not necessarily always share those stories with you. Um, Again, especially if you have consciously or unconsciously made a habit of avoiding those stories. Yes. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I think a good example of of exactly that phenomenon is, you know, um, fellow white folks, like you are not a safe person by default for, um, you know, a a black person, an indigenous person, you know, uh, to share their stories with. You are not because traditionally we have sucked at that, guys. And so, you know, you don't inherently have the right to be a safe person for people to share with. So you need to find ways to create safe space within yourself to be that person someone can share with, right? That takes a lot of work in relationship. Yeah. Um, just like any friendship does. Men, you need to help create safe space for women. I have a classmate who is amazing at this. Like he will shut down the middle of a conversation in class and say, we haven't heard from any of the women in this discussion yet. 
it, sometimes it makes me feel a little like deer in headlights. I'm like, but I don't actually have anything to say right now, although I appreciate you're making the space for me to say it. Um, but I think doing that kind of thing is important. Are you saying that guys in theological studies classes tend to dominate discussion? Dear male colleagues, <laughs> I love you, but sometimes y'all need to shut up a minute. Like, just stop. Stop. So help create safe space, right? <laughs> like, be like, be willing to make someone like me look like a deer in headlights for a moment as we're like, I didn't actually have something to say right now. Um, but create that space and say, hey, I haven't heard from, you know, someone of this, this gender, someone of this, this race, or, you know, we haven't heard from any of our queer friends right now. Um, there's a bunch of straight people talking about gender dynamics. Like that's, <laughs> let's get somebody a little more diversity, right? So make space. Um, I think that that is just so, so important. That's more important than using your voice actually to stand up for someone else is to make space for them to use their own voice. That's a great lit practical list that you made there, Alan. I really like it. I'm just trying to give you some space. That's all. Oh, well, you know, once I get rolling, I will take up all the space that I want <laughs> without, without any help. Mm. I, I've, I've gotten better at that throughout the years. <laughs> to, to, much to the chagrin of many people in my life. Not everyone appreciates that about me. Yeah, you're still not taught your Jeremy. Say something. Well, thank you for for that uh, that compliment. Uh, as as uh, as as I frequently say, I have my moments. You you do you do have your moments. There have been a few of them. Yeah. So ask why it makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. Seek out more stories that make you uncomfortable, and create mm -hmm. space for those whose stories you haven't heard more of. Yeah. And, you know, this is not something that you will go, um, you, you won't do a 180 on this in the space of three weeks. This is a skill. It's a practice. Um, you will get better at it with time if you carve out the space for it. But uh, don't worry that you'll do it imperfectly, but, you know listen well speaking of listening uh i thought i would listen as you pray us out of this podcast that sounds great and then next week maybe we'll get a little more into this like how do we weigh the power dynamics and and how do we know when to create space and how much space to create that sounds like a plan excellent god of all thank you for the witness of scripture is uncomfortable as it is, we ask that you would help us to be examples of listening, that you would help us to know when to uh, share the space, that you would help us to sit with the uncomfortable stories. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Go in peace, friends, to love and serve the Lord by loving and serving one another. And thank you for joining us for another episode.
of Soft Idolatry. Thanks for joining us on Soft Idolatry. For show notes and more information, check out our website at softidolatry.com. To send us questions or comments, you can email us at info at softidolatry.com. And if you'd like to help support this podcast, please become a patron at www.patreon.com slash softidolatry. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. <laughs>